Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And today we are talking about a health issue that, Caroline, I have fretted over since childhood. Oh God, what? I know, most children probably don't fret over varicose veins. (laughs) (laughs) But my mom was adamant that I not cross my legs because of the old wives' tale, as it turns out, that if you cross your legs, you'll get varicose veins because, and I I don't know if she'd be cool with me sharing this with the world, but she has varicose veins and Mm -hmm. underwent surgery for them. Hmm. And it was super painful Hmm. and really uncomfortable. And she was always embarrassed about how her legs looked. So she channeled that insecurity and just, you know, straight up health concern loving health concern uh, to to me. So I've always been nervous about that. And I'm I just realized that I'm sitting at the podcast table with my ankles crossed, which is okay, but not not one leg over the other. No, I'm I'm sitting like a man spreader right now because my IT band is messed up. So I've got one leg like way over to the side as a way to try to stretch it out as I sit for two hours as we record podcasts. But what kind of surgery did she have for it? You know, I'd have to go back and ask her, but I just, I remember when she had it. It might have been a sclerotherapy procedure, which we will explain later in the podcast, but I, I just remember, um, I was in elementary school, I think, when she got the surgery, and I remember her being laid up in bed um, for a while afterwards mm-hmm. because she couldn't really move around much, and it was very strange having hmm. my mom you know, on bed rest because she was such a, you know, she was always doing everything. Yeah. It was like one of the rare weeks when she wasn't. Hmm. Well, my mom has not varicose veins, although I think she has some. My mom has an interesting vascular thing going on that's on her legs and on her forearms. And I'm hoping that by virtue of the fact that we have a large, intelligent audience, maybe somebody knows the answer to this. But her vein problem is more... Like spider veins, but they're not spider veins. Literally, no dermatologist or vein specialist that she's gone to knows what the problem is because it's all over her legs. It started in her early 20s in her feet. I have the same thing starting in my feet when I was in my early to mid 20s. It hasn't spread yet the way my mom's has, but it's very interesting. And she, too, went and did the sclerotherapy, which is incredibly painful. And my mom, who... Um, I'll just say that she has a high tolerance <laughs> for certain medications. Uh, she takes like three Vicodin to go get the sclerotherapy done and it still kills her. Oh. Yeah, but then the, the veins ended up just coming back. I don't know if that's because what she has isn't true spider or uh, varicose veins, or if it's just like a totally different condition, or maybe she, she, you know, she's not wearing her compression stockings long enough, or what? Do you think our moms would be so annoyed right now if they oh, knew yeah. that we were talking about oh, them? Oh, for sure. <laughs> My mom would be horrified. Well, I've also been thinking about varicose veins and spider veins uh, more recently because I've just been noticing more billboards around yeah. town for like vein specialists. They, they all say you're so vain. Yeah. But like vain. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice pun. Um, so I've, I've always been curious about what they are because I've known that they're this, this thing that causes discomfort and 
leg insecurity, but I've never really known what exactly varicose veins are. Mm-hmm. So now we do. Yeah, we do. Listeners, we have we have facts aplenty for you. And let's start with some history, as we often do. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing. If you think that sclerotherapy is painful, well, <laughs> it's a whole lot better than it used to be, the old school treatments for varicose veins, because not surprisingly, varicose veins have been around in our human bodies forever. since forever. Yeah, they're cave people with varicose <laughs> cave, cave veins. Yeah. Uh, we have records of Hippocrates observing varicose veins, and uh, he thought that they were more common among Scythians, which were a group of Eurasian nomads, because they rode horses all the time. Hmm. Yeah, well, my mother should probably stop riding horses to, to run her errands. Everywhere. She's got to get into the grocery store parking. There's never a space for the horse. <laughs> There's no trough. There's just pooping everywhere. <laughs> so inconvenient. And I don't know that Hippocrates was so far off because by the 16th century, we'd figured out that there was a link between varicose veins and standing too long, particularly standing before kings. And then I'm immediately like, how long were people standing before kings? What were they waiting for? I guess you had to like go, like I'm just picturing Game of Thrones and Daenerys Targaryen and you had to like go request something and wait in line for like Ever. I thought of Game of Thrones, too, <laughs> and realized how you would be standing there forever. And, of course, they didn't have iPhones back then. Like, yeah. what did you do? I don't know. I guess you, you just check Twitter. You just thought thoughts. Maybe people were more introspective Ugh. back when they were developing varicose veins <laughs> while they were waiting for the... For the king. Uh, they, they also um, noted links between varicose veins and pregnancy, which are a thing that exists. There, There is an actual link between the two. But this whole, like, standing in varicose vein thing really worries me because as I'm reading all of this research for this episode, Kristen, I was like, we have standing desks. Oh, Lord. But to be fair, like, we telework also... We sit down for lunch breaks. We sit down for meetings. So there, it's like a lot of sitting and standing. It's yeah. like a Greek wedding. It's not necessarily all just standing all day long. I think I make up for it in my like Netflix binge sessions. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, like, we're failing ourselves either way because you shouldn't stand all day, but you also shouldn't sit all day. Like, there needs to be movement. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe like get a, a walking desk treadmill type of thing and and watch your Netflix that way. Or Maybe get a kiddie pool. Maybe we should just be in yes, water more often. We should be kind of swimming, swimming desks. There we go. For the waterproof laptops. <laughs> um, but back to history. Oh, right. Yeah, back, sure. back to the time before laptops in 1603, a super smart gentleman named Hieronymus Fabricius. Talk about it. Pretty uh, snazzy name. He suspected a vein valve issue was to blame. And that was a pretty savvy observation, as we'll explain in just a minute. But if you had varicose veins during the Middle Ages, the kind of treatments that you might undergo would include bloodletting, cauterization, Mm. and very similar to compression tights and stockings that you might wear today, uh, they would wear lace-up leather stockings. So, like, or, or like you're going to a leather bar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's something that we could still technically do today if we wanted. They were very on trend. And not surprisingly, in 
more recent times as treatment technology has improved beyond lace-up leather stockings and bloodletting with things like laser treatments and sclerapathy, numbers of people seeking treatments for spider veins and varicose veins have only escalated, according to stats from the American Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery. And they're super common. That's the thing about varicose veins. 55% of women... And 40 to 45% of men have some type of vein issue. Yeah, and that's coming from the Department of Health and Human Services Office on Women's Health. And up to 75% of men and women develop spider veins, which these tend to emerge in your 40s or 50s. Although, hello, let's talk about me. Uh, about 25% of us will develop spider veins in our 20s and 30s. And so, like, as I'm reading all this stuff, I, I did look at my legs because they tend to form on your calves, like the back of your legs or whatever. And I noticed, like, a like a blue, a little blue, teeny tiny thread-like squiggle on the back of my leg because spider veins don't necessarily have to be red. They can also be blue. Same with varicose veins. And, uh, yeah, it, it was, it's very tiny. It's like, it's like a couple millimeters long. Um, and I immediately was like, I should run around the block <laughs> or get into that kiddie pool L- with my lace up leather pants. There right. you go. There you go. So what's up with the varicose veins? How are they caused? So, quick anatomy lesson, just for a refresher, our veins job is to carry blood back to the heart and lungs for recirculation. So, in the process, our foot and leg muscles have to work really hard because they're working against gravity to help pump that blood back up. And we have these tiny valves in the veins that open up that allow the blood to flow toward the heart and then close behind it to prevent the blood from being like, oh, I'm going to just cruise on back down there (laughs) and flow backward and pool. But sometimes those valves and our vein walls can weaken. And this leads to blood leaking back and collecting and varicose veins forming. There's totally nothing gross about that. I totally had no problem reading about pooling blood. Kristen, in these sources. And so, speaking of hormones, as you might imagine, pregnancy has an effect on this stuff as well. So, during pregnancy, you've got more blood going through you. You've got greater blood pressure. This is exerting more pressure on your blood vessels, as you might imagine. But then you've got the one-two punch of the progesterone relaxing your blood vessels. So, suddenly... Boom, you've got pregnancy-induced varicose veins. And the good news is is that pregnancy-related varicose and spider veins do tend to fade over time post-baby, but they can also get worse with each successive pregnancy, which I do wonder whether that is partially why my mom had such a hard time with varicose veins, because I was her fifth child. (laughs) My mom worked so hard. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder, because my mom was one of five, so I wonder if her mom had them. I have no idea. But my mom, she only had me, but she does stand all the time for her job as a flight attendant. Well, and if her mom had them, there's definitely a hereditary link, too. Yeah. It's inescapable. (laughs) (laughs) 
Let's all just get depressed. But in addition to these naturally occurring hormones and pregnancy, women might also be more predisposed to developing varicose and spider veins because of things like wearing high heels for extended Mm. periods of time. That's linked to both varicose and spider veins. And we're really talking about the higher heels. If you're just wearing like a kitten heel, it's not so bad. And it's adorable (laughs) and it meows. I know. But those high heels aren't terrific for our circulation. No surprise. Yeah, high heels in general, not, not so great for your physical being. Um, also, birth control hormones. Hello. The hormone fun never stops as a human person uh, because, you know, we mentioned estrogen and progestin weakening those vein walls. So people who take birth control more likely to have varicose veins. But for some quick myth busting relevant to a number of stuff Mom Never Told You listeners and myself who have tattoos and want to get more tattoos, uh, even if you have varicose veins, you can still get them. That was an old myth that like, if you have varicose veins, then you shouldn't get tattoos, mm-hmm. I'm assuming because of issues with needles and, and blood and all of that. Was there a, an assumption, too, that, that tattoos could contribute to varicose veins? Because that's also false. Yeah. Just in case you were worried. It was probably just your mom telling me, (laughs) trying to scare you out of getting a tattoo. Stuff your mom might have told you. (laughs) Stuff your mom scaremongered (laughs) into you. Uh, But varicose veins don't just develop on your legs and feet, even though we've talked a lot about our foot muscles and calf muscles and all of the blood pressure and vein valve weakening that happens in that area. But, friends... This was the most shocking aspect of this research. I'd never heard of this before. (laughs) This is coming from the Mayo Clinic. You can develop varicose veins in your vulva. Yeah, they're called vulvar variscosities. Yeah, and like varicose veins on your legs, they tend to develop during pregnancy, again, because of that additional blood volume that you produce during pregnancy to nourish a developing fetus and the pressure (laughs) that that developing baby Mm -hmm. puts on your pelvis and your vulva and... The veins might end up bulging, but even if you don't, you'll probably feel it. Even if you can't see them, yeah. you might know that you have them if your doctor hasn't caught them before you do. Well, because it's not just on the vulva either, Kristen. I didn't realize that hemorrhoids, which a lot of pregnant women experience, that's a varicose vein issue as well. Because tell. there's so much pressure on the lower half of your body. And those same hormones and that same blood pressure is working. So if you develop vulvar variscosities, you also might get hemorrhoids. And if you have vulvar variscosities, you will probably feel a fullness and pressure and painful swelling in the vulvar area. No surprise, sex is very painful. Standing and exercising only aggravates the problem as well. So what's a person with vulvar varicosities to do? Get yourself to an antique store and buy yourself an old school minstrel belt. It's that simple, people. So simple. Yeah, before uh, maxi pads came conveniently with adhesive on the bottom, we would use menstrual belts to hold up our our period diapers. <laughs> and doctors used to recommend 
wearing pads with supportive menstrual belts to offer some compression in that area in the same way that, you know, compression stockings can relieve some of the symptoms of varicose veins in your legs. Sure, yeah, and now, you know, same concept, just minus the, the belt. You can just go get, like, a whole bunch of pads and stick them in your pregnancy skinny jeans. And I'm sure that'll be fine and comfortable. Yeah, the article in uh, over at Mayo Clinic said that it would take six maxi pads today to give you any kind of supportive relief. But <laughs> there are specially designed support garments um, and also things that you can do, like not standing too much. Prop up your legs, which, you know what, I say if you're a pregnant person, <laughs> you should be propping up your legs all the time anyway because you deserve it. Um, swimming helps because yeah. it relieves that pressure. And also icing your vulva might help as well. Oh, that just like I felt myself get colder. Yeah. And I also realized I don't think I've ever said the phrase ice your vulva. Could be a new cocktail idea. Our new, <laughs> our new catchphrase. <laughs> Stuff I've never told it's you. It's a way for us to tell each other to calm down. Listen, just go ice your vulva. <laughs> why don't you? So when we're talking about the varicose veins that typically develop in your feet and legs. What are the symptoms? You mentioned, Caroline, uh, the coloring. Yeah, so they can be dark purple or blue, and that is because this is unoxygenated blood. Uh, they're bulging. They have sort of a gnarled appearance, almost like a tree root. I hope I'm not making this worse for people. Um, but physically, you might feel achiness, burning sensations, muscle cramping, and itchiness around veins. You also might experience skin ulcers around the ankle. However, people, this is a possible sign of vascular disease, so make sure you get thee to a doctor ASAP if this is what you're experiencing. Now, when it comes to spider veins, these are a mild variation of varicose veins, but they aren't actually veins. They're blood that's leaked out of broken capillaries near the skin surface and discolors that tissue. And they typically show up on the legs, but they can also develop on your face, which I did not know. Yeah, and they tend to be red or blue. And they're typically, according to your health provider, just considered a cosmetic issue, although they could indicate circulatory problems, which is why I'm constantly nagging my mother. If we want to go back to the complaining episode and nagging, nagging my mother to go back to the doctor to try to figure out her vein issues. But so then what causes spider veins to happen? Well, when it comes to spider veins and varicose veins, the root of the issue could be all sorts of things. Circulation problems, not surprisingly. Hormone changes. We've already talked about estrogen and progestin. So think puberty, pregnancy, menopause, sun damage. Obesity can lead to them as well because extra weight will put additional pressure on your veins. A sedentary lifestyle, which again is linked to the poor circulation issue. And age, the older that we get, the weaker our vein valves become, which makes me sad for my, for my aging vein valves. <laughs> You know, I'm sure they appreciate your sympathy. They do. <laughs> oh, thank you, Kristen. <laughs> and then there's kind of the inescapable stuff. Well, like age, but also genetics. You might just inherit genes that might predispose you to weaker vein walls and weaker valves. And of course, things like stress, smoking and drinking 
don't help either. These things that cause inflammation in the body, they can contribute to weakening walls as well. Yeah, apparently stress is a huge environmental factor Hmm. for this. And so many things. The more I read about the impact of stress, Caroline, Mm -hmm. the more stressed out I become about my level of stress because I feel like I am just setting myself up for all sorts of health problems. Yeah, we basically all just need to calm down. We need to ice our vulvas. So to speak, I mean, I'm including everyone. This is It's just a turn of phrase. Yes. So uh, ice your vulva, so to speak, if you will. If you will. (laughs) And we can all relax. Take a deep breath and relax. Because speaking of which, what kind of self-care can we do to assist with varicose veins and spider vein issues? So put on those compression stockings, ladies and gentlemen. Um, And they're different. I mean, they're different strengths, basically. I mean, it's everything from stockings you get at the drugstore, which are sort of like a one pressure fits all kind of thing. They're not incredibly compressed all the way up to uh, literally prescription strength compression stockings that you can get from your dermatologist. I wonder if those are at all related to the compression socks and gear that you're seeing more and more uh, runners and athletes wearing. I would think so, she says, based on almost nothing. Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious. Listeners, if you if you have any hunches on that, please let me know, because I'm wondering if you could get a twofer. Be like, well, I'm going to just get my compression socks from a jogging, and also, will it improve your circulation? You should just get like a full body, like long underwear compression suit to wear under your clothes. <laughs> Just a Spanx unitard. Or, or it could be like, or you could, you know, like the tuxedo t-shirts? Yes. It could have like a suit painted onto it, so you could wear your super tight compression suit to work. Oh, that sounds very flattering. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing, people. Save your money and don't buy all of those topical creams and serums and concealers promising cures. Even even fancy vitamin K creams, because topical treatments can't penetrate deeply enough to do anything. They're not going to fix the structure of your vein walls or certainly not your vein valves. So, I mean, they might moisturize. Mm, Yeah, you can moisturize anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to use a makeup concealer, if you are embarrassed about the discoloration that can happen... Mm By all means. Yeah, my mom, my mom goes crazy with the self-tanner as a way to, to camouflage. I will not offer further commentary. Um, according to Women's Health Magazine, though, horse chestnut oil might help reduce the swelling and redness, but again, it will not cure the veins. It's just kind of offering a temporary temporary assistance. And that was the first time I had ever heard of horse chestnut oil. Yeah, I've never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, well, not to be confused with a horse named Chestnut Oil. <laughs> but as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, there are also medical procedures. There are vein specialists, and there are also treatments like sclerotherapy, which is considered the gold standard. Yeah, so here's what happens. The doctor injects this chemical cocktail of salt fatty acids, and glycerin into the varicose or spider vein. This makes the blood flow stop, and then the veins transform into scar tissue, and that scar tissue eventually fades. I have no idea why it would be so painful. But, okay, so this procedure has a 90% success rate, but... 
As my mother could tell you, it might take, it probably will take, multiple treatments for severe vein issues. And more recently, laser treatments have become more popular as well. But like sclerotherapy for those severe varicose veins, it will probably take multiple laser treatments to see noticeable difference as well. And then you've got this thing called vein stripping. Yeah, this is when you actually remove part of a long superficial vein that's causing the issue. It's an outpatient surgery. Um, There's also endoscopic surgery for severe cases and something called ambulatory phlebectomy, which is removing small varicose veins through skin punctures. And none of this sounds uh, very pleasant at all. No, but what does take me back to the movie... Sense and Sensibility, uh, Colonel Brandon, rest in peace, Alan Rickman just passed, is leeches. Because remember, leeches, treatment, Kate, Bl- or Kate Winslet's character. Anywho, so I know you're like, leeches, what? That's like some crazy outdated therapy that only Courtney Cox uses. No. Doctors in India have successfully used leeches to reduce major swelling in 18 varicose vein patients. Now, here's the deal. So I mentioned earlier that varicose veins are like blue and gnarly because it's unoxygenated blood. It hasn't been able to pump back through the lungs to get reoxygenated. Leeches love that stuff. And there's even a farm. I think it's called like bio farm or something in England that provides thousands of leeches to healthcare providers every year. Yeah, I mean, this was reported on in the New Scientist and BBC and other outlets. And I mean, 18 patients is a, a pretty small uh, study population, but uh, apparently it, you know, it, it could work. But I also learned reading this that uh, leech saliva has natural anesthetics in it. So it hurts less when these little buggers bite you and start sucking out all that deoxygenated blood. You seem pretty interested in the leech treatment. I'm super interested in this because I it's so fascinating. We read so much about these kooky treatments and medical things from history all the time. And I love that this one is coming back, but backed by, you know, evidence and, and happy things like science and stuff. And those lace-up leather stockings are just backed by good fashion sense. My apartment's about to get so weird. (laughs) So here's the thing. If you want to prevent varicose veins and spider veins from happening, well, you can't 100% because genetics and also hormones and things that we can't entirely stop from happening, also aging. But there are lifestyle things that you can do to at least delay them and minimize their severity. And really, this has to do with all of the stuff our moms probably did tell us about maintaining healthy, active lifestyles, wearing sunscreen. My mother is so adamant about me wearing sunscreen. And at 31, I wish I listened to her yeah, more. I, I do, too. I got some super bad sunburns when I was growing up over and over mm-hmm. again. Me, too. But here's the thing. You can cross your legs. That is a myth. The external pressure caused by crossing your legs might cause your veins to temporarily bulge, but it doesn't cause varicose veins. So next time I see my mom, I'm going to cross my legs in front of her and explain science. And you're going to be like, deal with this. Deal with this. And she's going to be like, okay. Oh, God. Um, But it's again, it's the defective valves or weakened veins. 
that lead to the varicose issues. And finally, in case you need another reason, don't smoke. Yeah, man. Smoking is not good for your circulation, and poor circulation predisposes you to varicose veins. And smoking is just the worst anyway. Cut it out. And on an unrelated note, I also learned, thanks to a Stuff Mom Never Told You video I recently made, that smoking is also linked to breast pitosis, a.k.a. boob saggage. Whoa! Mm-hmm. I've literally never heard that word before. Pitosis? Yeah. Well, then, it sounds like you need to get over to <laughs> YouTube.com slash Stuff Mom Never Told You. I do. Wow, all right. Learning all these, all sorts of things. Well, listeners, we want to learn some things from you. Is anyone out there dealing with varicose veins and spider veins? I mean, statistically, the answer has to be yes. So we want to hear from you. Uh, what kind of issues have you had? What kind of treatments have you tried out? MomStuffAtHowStuffWorks.com is our email address. You can also tweet us at MomStuffPodcast or message us on Facebook. And we've got a couple of messages to share with you right now. Well, I have a letter here from a listener who would like to remain anonymous in response to the pair of episodes we did with a practical wedding founder, Meg Keen. Uh, this listener says, when my groom and I began planning, family drama immediately started to crop up. I feel really gross about my father giving me away. I find it patriarchal and demeaning. My fiance feels the same way, which is why he didn't ask my dad for permission because, quote, it's not a transaction. We are both fierce feminists, so we have a lot of opinions about the patriarchal traditions of weddings in general. But once other people and their feelings started getting involved, we started kicking around the idea of eloping at City Hall and then having a wedding later for everyone else. Our wedding started becoming about other people rather than about us and our love. So we talked about it and I laughed it off until I knew that I was finally getting kicked off my parents' health insurance. I wanted to make sure I could put my fiancé on my new insurance through work since he is still uninsured. And that was the nail in the coffin. While I was worried that if my parents found out, they would be heartbroken for getting cut out of something or that the other wedding would just be a sham, we realized that a second ceremony is still just as important and that we really just very desperately wanted to be married to each other. So we went down to the courthouse just before Christmas and got married. I bought a cute little white dress and a veil, and we brought two of my best friends to be witnesses. I have to say, it was absolutely magical. We got Mexican food and margaritas after and spent a night in a hotel, and it's been wonderful being secretly married. This also meant that we didn't have to deal with anything we thought of as patriarchal, and it just became about us celebrating our love in a very tiny and private way. So now that we've had our Shakespearean elopement, that's what we tell ourselves, it's taken some of the pressure off of planning the wedding, but in other ways it's made it harder. There's been difficult decisions already about venues, and we can't use the excuse of, at the end of the day, we'll be married, because we already are. And I still don't want to be given away by my father, but he's very sentimental, and it'll mean the world to him, so of course I'll do it. To reconcile myself with the fact that this is an act of him selling me, we will not have the officiant do the whole who gives this woman to be given away. Woman in all caps, because anyone who says this is obviously a blustering Puritan judge from 1670. I've also kicked around the idea of maybe having my husband's mom walk him down the aisle, but they have a bit of a contentious relationship, so I won't make them. But this has already started to be a wild, stressful experience. I can't even get quotes on flowers. How much do flowers cost? 
But I'm very much looking forward to the wedding despite everything. And ultimately, I think a wedding is a party to celebrate two people who love each other and want to make that love legally binding. Patriarchy be damned. She then thanks us for introducing her to a practical wedding. And so thank you, anonymous listener, for writing in and sharing your story. And to answer Anonymous's question, flowers cost approximately a lot. (laughs) Take it from me. So I have a letter here from Jen also about our chat with Meg Keen from A Practical Wedding. She writes, I particularly enjoyed your recent part one episode on practical weddings. Meg Keen is fantastic. And I used her website as a near constant reference when my wife and I got married in October 2014. I really enjoyed getting to know the person behind the incredible website that helped me maintain my sanity during the wedding planning process. Because the Sminty Practical Wedding episodes are primarily focused on traditional heterosexual weddings, I wanted to offer an additional resource for LGBT folks who are tying the knot. When my wife and I got engaged, my parents gave us The Essential Guide to Gay and Lesbian Weddings, which addressed novel issues that gay couples face when getting married above and beyond the traditional pressures and norms. For example, one of the sections I loved was on the RSVP attendance rate. The guide cautioned that the typical 80% RSVP attendance rate may not apply to a same-sex wedding, and in fact, may be much higher because guests may be particularly eager to demonstrate their acceptance and or tolerance. The book is very much in the spirit of a practical wedding, with its acknowledgement of many ways to do weddings while also providing some much-needed advice for same-sex couples. I wanted to share and hope you'll help spread the word. Well, thanks so much for sharing this resource with us, Jen. And it's been so fun hearing folks' responses to a practical wedding. And if you'd like to send us an email, momstuffathowstuffworks.com is where you can send it. And for links to all of our social media, as well as all of our blogs, videos, and podcasts with our sources, including this one, so you can learn even more about varicose and spider veins, head on over to stuffmomnevertoldyou.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 